I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Kind World. I'm Erica Lance. In September of 2016, Rachel Cerati, a writer, and Sergio Scheller, an aspiring organic farmer, were newlyweds in Boston. Their apartment was full of wedding gifts, some still unopened. Sergio had a map of Maine on the wall, with pins in all the places they might own their own farm someday. Their plan was to move to Maine once Rachel finished writing a book she'd been working on for years. You may remember from our last Kind World that Rachel was retracing the steps of her grandmother, the sole survivor of her Jewish-Czech family after the Holocaust. One day... Sergio heard an interview that he thought might help Rachel with her work. It was with a woman named Julie Lindahl. She was talking about this research, and she'd spent many years retracing her family history, but she had come from this perspective as the granddaughter of an SS officer. Julie had uncovered the family secret that her grandfather had been a brutal Nazi officer during World War II. And as Sergio listened, he was stunned by how much of her work paralleled Rachel's project. Yes, Rachel was descended from a Holocaust survivor and Julie from Nazis, but they had both spent years immersed in the same history. Sergio called me from the car and was like, oh my God, Rachel. He was like, you're not alone. You're not alone. Because it's a very lonely project to work on. And Sergio and I just sat there and we're like, wow, you like, I need to contact her. Like, I don't know what this could be. And like, we had a whole swarm of brainstorm thoughts of like, we could collaborate this way and this way, or maybe it's just great to have a conversation. So the next day, Rachel and Sergio huddled around her computer and wrote an email to Julie. Sergio left her in the office and Rachel was back to work when something startled her. I just like heard this massive thump. I went over, I was like, Sergio? Rachel walked across the hall and found him on the floor. I was giving CPR, time stops, but also sped up, compressions and breaths and all of that. Weirdly calm and weird madness. What is happening? Frantic, she called 911, but she had an awful feeling it was too late. I think he was trying to hold on for me. I know the minute he died, and I know the minute his eyes changed from life to no life. An ambulance rushed him to the hospital, but nothing could be done. Sergio had died of a heart attack. He was 28 years old. You know, I sat with his body until they wouldn't let me anymore. And then the next morning, I woke up in my parents' basement. She looked out the window, heavy and numb. 
the sun's coming in through the leaves and if you move your head just like a couple little millimeters you know the the sun ray looks different and it shines through a different leaf and if you move your head a little bit to the other way it you know illuminates something else just in that slight little movement of the head you get a different perspective of what life looks like I remember just kind of playing with that for a little bit and feeling nothing and feeling everything. Rachel was still in bed that morning when she saw an email from Julie Lindahl, the woman Rachel and Sergio had been so excited to email together the night before. That was kind of our last activity together. In a normal world, I would wake up at home and been like, Sergio, Sergio, guess who wrote me back? He would have made breakfast and we would have talked about it. It was the first time that I wanted to share something with him and couldn't. A few weeks later, Julie and Rachel started talking. Rachel still felt the unimaginable shock of Sergio's death. But somehow she felt like she could share that with Julie. Julie had already looked into the face of darkness, unearthing her grandfather's crimes. And unlike a lot of people, she didn't shy away from talking about death. When people die, sometimes other people don't want to include them in the narrative anymore. She speaks of him as if he's still present, and that is incredibly meaningful for me. Julie also understood pretty quickly that Sergio was alive and the connection between the two women. When we reached out to each other, something very important happened because you have now two sides of your life, the life before he died and now the life after. Because you sent this mail and then I responded after he died. There was something about it that was kind of surreal. And it was, it was a bit like a bridge. Julie and Rachel have started to think of their friendship as an educational peace project. At a time when the world can feel polarized and intolerant, the more they talk, the more they find common ground. Perhaps if somebody looked at our stories on paper, you couldn't think they'd be more further apart, right? A perpetrator and a victim. But when we start getting Mm. to talking, all of these themes that come out are just so universal. Mm. And all of a sudden, it feels much more connected. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wish more people could do that. I often feel like the two of us are kind of like a couple of voices calling back from the future of today and kind of shouting out from the future, choose another path. Julie and Rachel want to use lessons from their grandparents' lives to keep history from repeating itself. And doing so together, they feel less alone. Why Why drive yourself a little crazy with all of this? I guess that's why we had to meet each other. Yeah. It's been a little over a year since Sergio died, but to Rachel, he's still very much alive. So the more I think about the fact that you and I have this friendship now where we've talked about these, you know, incredibly deep things, and then he was, the link to that is, like, so beautiful. Sergio gave me so Mm -hmm. many gifts Mm -hmm. in life, but that was his final, one of his final gifts. Rachel may not be able to make sense of her husband's sudden death, but she can find meaning in the gifts he gave her. And if she moves her head a little to the left or right, some sunlight still shifts through the branches.
You're listening to Kind World. This is our third part in a mini-series about Julie and Rachel. So if you haven't already, check out the last two episodes to hear their full stories. We also have videos about Rachel and Julie at wbur.org slash kindworld. Thanks to WBUR's Cognizeni, Franny Kartoff, and Robin Lubbock for collaborating on this series. And thank you for listening. <laughs>